0: As a podcast host, interviewer, it's always magic to me when a guest really opens up about the work they do. And such is the case with Annie Crabtree. Her style is unique and music guides her in the costumes that she designs. We'll hear on the various musical styles that she listens to for inspiration. And this is Sci-Fi Talk the podcast on how sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and comics help us explore our humanity. And Annie's costumes, fittings for the actors in the current project that she designed for in The Changeling are truly a transformational experience for those involved. A unique designer for a very unique series, The Changeling. And I I like Your approach to your work, and I really appreciated that. And I urge everybody to go on your Instagram and 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 follow you, because you really detail how you work, and it's so important. And we're going to talk about that, of course. But it's it's a great way visually to see how things fall into place. Thank Um, you for that. I got to ask you. uh, You know, you you said on on your Instagram that. Every project, you get a little nervous and you and you actually use music to kind of guide you as to as to where you're going with this. So for the Changeling, what kind of music did you go for?
1: You know what? So I always start out boring. I have these kind of certain pieces that I reach for for every project that just get me going. And I would say, unfortunately, except for their great pieces of music, um, I've I've kind of listened to the same ones to go in, and that is Aretha Franklin's Gospel classic. Oh. You know, I'm I'm a creature of the South, not that you have to be from the South to love gospel, but it it kind of roots me a little bit. Uh yeah. and I love the music. Um I always say arrival. But what I and I do love the music from Arrival, but it's the other one. Uh,
0: Is it Christopher Nolan too? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, I'll
1: think of it. That music Hmm. is beautiful. You know, it it tends to be so beyond gospel. It tends to be music that has no words beyond gospel, Mm -hmm. Uh, and the no words just kind of helps transport me without thinking on the, the verbiage you know, of how I'm supposed to feel or something. Um, it usually has strings, and I find that it is often Philip Glass uh, and or who is his counterpart uh, that I've been listening to. He did a, a combo mashup of uh, Dinah Washington's This Bitter Earth. I listened to that for Handmaid's. uh, It'll come to me, and, and, you know, and then for the Changeling, I decided, for the Changeling, there's this brilliant uh, jazz fusion, although I hate that word. He is a jazz musician named Jaime O. Brown, and he does a combination of Negro spirituals and jazz. Oh, wow. The most beautiful work. Uh, There's Mm. two albums one is transcendence very very important for the changeling and one is Mm. called work songs. yeah uh you know work songs from people building the railroad uh old slave songs and a a lot of that came from uh an ex-partner who's now a dear friend and he you know, played horn, played trumpet, and his mom was a jazz musician, so he kind of fed me. And my dad before him was a jazz guy, so...
0: Oh, nice, nice.
1: It's always classical and jazz, I think. There is more sci-fi talk, so stay tuned.
0: What's interesting is, I, I, I love this piece that you have where you incorporated, uh, you know, for uh, the costumes, fabric from Europe, fabric from Africa, and even the South and and, and yeah. kind of mashed it up and created it for the characters. Now, I love the description. for Apollo, you know he's he, he says it in your description. He's kind of bookish, you know, uh, very different that way. Um, and, and what uh, what led you with him? I think he used plaids. What led you in that direction for him?
1: You know, I think I'm a great lover of books. Um I think if you love books, you love writers. You love history. If you love books, you love being transported. And I think about a young Black gentleman like Apollo growing up with two different, very different um, heritages from his parents, as did I, in the South, instead of, you know, Fort Washington. But I think in my brain, I concocted this story that Apollo would have fallen in love with writers from uh, the Harlem Renaissance, from from poets, you know, and then that also can translate, because he's young, to rap and and you know anything, anything that is uh, indicative of the street, street fashion, um, you know, Everything that is is the melting pot of New York, all the arts all together all the time. And mm. so I kind of, that led me into <laughs> the plaids and tweeds, you know, of his heritage and, and Emma as well for the yeah. same reason.
0: But Emma's different. I mean, talk about opposites <laughs> attract. Emma is really kind of eclectic and out there. And yeah. uh, I, I love how, you know, how you went in that direction and and that's one thing I love about costume designers and, and what they do is really they don't dress the actor, they dress for the character. And oh, if yes. you know the character, that's half the battle right there. And, oh yes.
1: Uh, and they're so well written, Tony. I yeah. mean my God, both, you know, to both of their credit, Kelly Marcel and Victor Laval together and, and separately just really painted these incredible people that you want to know and that you probably do know. In my case, you know, two ex-boyfriends, <laughs> very serious <laughs> ex-boyfriends and my best friend. Um, one is from Detroit, the musician, and the other two are oddly uh, children of um Jazz musician, Bill Lee, who just passed. Oh, wow, yeah. beautiful writers, beautiful directors, very eclectic, all three. And they all three came into play while painting those portraits of those characters. You know, they're an amalgamation. And I threw myself in there. I think you can't help it. Yeah. Um, You derive from what you know, you know. Mm -hmm. I think Emma is that combination of a strong loner, a young woman in New York who's very, very smart, um, very curious about the world, not just in travel, uh, and in a way, I talked about it with Kelly, it's like she would have traveled all over, and she's looking for something. You know, she's looking for culture. She's looking for a sense of place. Um, She is also, uh, I mean, at least the way we tell it in our story, uh, non-verbally of mixed race. I always find that to be interesting. I myself am that person. And I think you're always searching for who you are, whether it's going to a place that is part of your heritage or not. You know, you're looking for a sense of community. And And there's a kind of loner loneliness that is not tragic. It's more interesting and more poignant. And I think it, I wanted to find that in her machinations of motherhood, you know, it's like she's so alone there. And so her colors range from this kind of happy, nostalgic through line like you see this yellow plaid dress um as a little girl and then you see it in um i you know it's funny i i chose this is a modern thing but i chose this tennessee model who's uh black and white called binks uh this beautiful model was part of the inspiration for emma um She's sort of tomboyish, but like so beautifully feminine and womanly as she gets pregnant. You see a kind of certainly fairy tale element in her cape and the way that it moves. And that has a whole story uh, in and of itself. Everyone's coats actually do in the whole of the show, but it's very obvious because the cloak cape is big. But within that, You see a kind of vest, skirt, tied blouse in very briefly in the library. You know, I wanted to dress her as a kind of Zora Neale Hurston meets uh, beautiful English writer. She did the beautiful novel Teeth. Um, uh, I tried to look at my little videos for memory uh, before (laughs) you call we had this call but oh, Zandi, zandy the writer you know Sandy smith she is a culmination of all of these powerful wordsmiths who speak on race other cultures other lands but also yeah. the kind of check gingham of the south yeah that kind of naivete that kind of playful checked fabrics that happen in fairy tales and stories you know told before from our ancestors that's emma
0: so i i have to ask you i mean i guess you can call her a lot of things sorceress witch uh her some really interesting choices there talk about her uh because obviously she has that key scene uh with her with emma and and fairy tales is always like don't go you can't go in there and and then it's like, don't talk to anybody while you're there. <laughs> if you go there, don't talk to anybody. And she breaks both those rules that all fairy tales have.
1: Ah, in Brazil. Yeah. So Emma. Oh, for the Brazilian witch. Yes. Yeah. So that's interesting. So, you know, we we shot this in New York, New Jersey, and then we went to Toronto. And then for Brazil, we went to Colombia.
0: Oh yeah. And
1: any yeah, anytime you do that. Um, of course, you want to get it right and you want people to be in Brazil, but also because you have limited time frame in place and it's yeah. also kind of a bear to get clothing over there. And so I, I had all the clothing ready to go. And because I also knew that the places we were shooting, it wasn't going to be easy to get fabric and to make new things. So we had a whole different outfit for the witch in Brazil, the Bruja. Mm. Uh, and Kelly, rightly so, uh, the day before we shot in this crazy location where you had to cross waterfalls by donkey with the clothing on top of the donkey. It was a beautiful oh shot, actually. <laughs> she said, I don't I don't think that's working. And so we just changed the top part okay. to something that looks rather cobwebby. Um you know, my assistant is sending me photos of the cloth of the fabric she can find in Colombia and our tailor there made it really quickly. You know, I, I, I had a great compliment from a Brazilian journalist, two of them actually, who said it looked like Brazil. The clothing especially on the witch and Emma looked like something, I forgot the term the term, uh, that you would have bought there. And so that was the highest compliment. But mm. my intention was to find something that could, could scan the ages. Yeah. A, like it's, it's modern, it's present day, but would feel like one of the wise ones, one of the ancients. You yes. Know? Sun faded because she could just be a washerwoman. Mm-hmm. With the sun and water fading her clothes every day, I know she wouldn't change her clothes very often. Mm-hmm. And so um, everything should be sort of sunbaked and faded. And then I gave her very specific beads um, that would indicate that she has sort of magical powers. Or Ooh. it could just be a beautiful familial ancestral choice of a Brazilian washerwoman <laughs> there you go. Sci-fi talk returns in a moment.
0: One thing I really like that you do too is that you create like a board for each character. It to yeah. be, has the picture of the actor, the actual swatches of, of, uh, of uh, fabric you're going to be using, and yeah. then the sketch of the uh, of the of the costume. Now, do you yeah. do those sketches yourself?
1: Oh yeah. Can't you tell?
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no. no I, mean, <laughs> I mean,
1: Tony, you know what's funny? I'm so old school. It's like there are brilliant uh, illustrators, costume illustrators oh, uh, yeah. in this industry. And I've used them for recent projects and, and projects before this one. You know, often the budget spent before we can hire them and or there's no time. And listen, I am so old school that I still draw with, you know, pencil, paper, and sometimes whiteout, sometimes on napkins. I mean, it's just like, whatever you can grab, you literally, my intention is always to do it for every costume I design. Does it happen every time? No, because I can't, rightly ask anyone else to do it because their jobs are full and you know i i didn't study costume design but i i did study art Uh. and so i it's just an easy thing for me when i'm explaining to the tailor or to the age or dyer or to someone who's sourcing the fabric like here's what i want to end up with and listen sometimes i've actually saved these drawings because i've had some tailors be like Are you talking about? You know, it just—it looks like it looks like you know there is like a a crow cape that I made for something, and it's basically like a strange abstract outline. I could see it, and it was the the tail of a crow, the bottom of two crows. See, you would have seen it, but the
0: tail—I
1: don't get it. And those are the people that we don't need to work together (laughs) because abstract sometimes abstraction leads to bigger ideas
0: really, yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. yeah yeah uh you know so you you have all these boards and I, I guess you yeah. kind of like lay them out or you can actually put them up on the wall and you see yeah. each each character and you kind of get a feel and i I think what that gives you also is you see them together what they're what oh, they're yeah. gonna look like and this way yeah. you know this way you don't because it's so easy to Kind of repeat something or whatever, but this way you're, 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 yeah. each one has their own path and it all sort of fits together.
1: A hundred percent. You know, it is for logistical reasons really helpful for the world that is helping build all of it, build yeah. those worlds. Uh, but honestly, a lot of it is my own handicap, Tony. Like it started. It was always and still is many different things on the wall, you know, just like haphazardly taped taped up, tacked up uh, because ideas come that way, you know. And then uh, ultimately, because now, uh, because of tax incentives and such, like we have to shoot everywhere, sometimes simultaneous. So the the dear folks who know me from The Handmaid's Tale, who were some of them on this one for The Changeling, were like, no. We are going to create proper boards. You know, everyone's just gotten fancier. It's so funny. (laughs) I always feel like we're missing something when we get too fancy, you know. Uh, But, you know, they made me make real boards because they were going across all countries. They were right. And so they're a little cleaner and can be shared across different worlds. Really, the handicap is I have terrible short-term memory. The good news is so I have two things. I have narcolepsy and I have terrible short-term memory. The narcolepsy actually enables me to go into REM sleep immediately, but I also utilize that as a means to be awake while dreaming. Oh, oh, what wow. I want to do. I mean, yeah. if that makes any sense. Yeah, it and does. On, the, <laughs> on the flip side, the short-term memory thing is, Whenever I go up for a job, and I've included this on my Instagram as a means to remember, because things were a year ago, over a year ago, I even included some of the imagery that I utilized to get the job, you know, because I always want to be true to that first impulse of the script and the first impulse, which is the first creative spark. To doing it in the first place And I want to stay true to that And it's very difficult to remember that With eight episodes So this kind of linear way Of making a wall around me That I can look at at any given moment Wherever I am in the world Is a means to, yes Remember what happens in the script Linearly, like horizontally, literally How it goes together with other characters And also to keep track of What's going to happen to the costume, which so many things happen in the changeling that that was super important.
0: Yeah. Well, one thing I, I've i talked to a lot of costume designers about uh, the fittings when they happen. What's yeah. different about you is when the actor walks into that room, they're not walking into just a place to be try on the costume. They're walking into an environment that you create with music right. and backdrops and stuff. And there is a picture of Clark as Emma, and I'm looking at that picture, and I don't see Clark, I see Emma. It's like she, you know, it, by putting on the clothes and being in that environment, you know, you see these actors find the characters. I mean, it, it, especially with the way you do things, you must see that a lot.
1: You know, it. I won't lie to you. I, I love I love seeing that transformation. I see it immediately change in their eyes, right? And if I'm lucky, it happens within the first five or ten minutes because you really have limited time. Like, we have such limited time with the actors because often they're coming from other countries. They need, in the case of Sam Herring, who plays um, William Wheeler in kindergarten, I had had literally a lunch hour. Nobody was around, and I had to find his character. And they needed to shoot him really quick. It was like unplanned and talk about pressure. But listen, everybody on the changeling, the, the through line for all of the cast was that they had an immense sense of trust with me, you know, and that goes for Lakeith and Clark, Adina, all the way, you know, to everybody else. And What that does is it's like a nonverbal, unspoken agreement to, we're going to create something beautiful here, whether it's going to happen in half an hour on a lunch hour, or five hours, we are going to go in deep, so that you, you, the actor, are going to feel like the person, before you leave the room, And we are going to get there vis-a-vis what works for me, which is something that I don't do, which is play music. You know, I play cello really badly. But, you know, (laughs) it's like that's probably why I want to listen to strings. But I just try to grab their emotions, their intellect, and the psychology of how they want to get there very quickly. You know, I don't have kids. I always joke. I have actors. And... I think that's my kind of child psychology, like I want to give birth to them together, you know, to, to create a character, but I also just want them to feel safe yeah. um, and and not to just put on clothes, which is so damn boring and cheating, you know. I want to find that sort of magical fusion together so that whoever's watching ultimately, because I may never see these actors again, once they start rehearsals and shooting, it's it's yeah. next to impossible. I'll just say a little something about ADs. They never understand that magic. They just are like, get him dressed. Like that's what we do. Yeah. But actually that's why I demand the time and the fittings because We're not just creating the costume for the character. We're not just making the clothes fit, sometimes not fit. What we're doing is creating alchemy so that the audience actually feels viscerally something about that character. And that, my friends, is alchemy. It has nothing to do with time or clothing. Mm -hmm. It has everything to do with the nonverbal agreement to create something new well
0: in in closing i have to ask you uh, uh, well your reaction to um uh, the handmaid's tale and its impact when you saw all these women you know protesting wearing those costumes making a, a point nonverbally, based on your on that series you know wearing your styles i mean that's that was an impact for me and I didn't even design it, but, but what's it like for you to see something like that? Thank
1: you so much, Tony. That was, uh, that probably the biggest moments plural of my life so far uh, at a job that I never thought I would do. And I have a lot of personal attachment to the reasons why they were protesting. And so, yeah. you know, I'm 59. I hope, that will happen again in my lifetime. Uh, It's that moment when an artist is hired for a job and the job at hand is bigger as a vessel. Like it's no longer a vessel. It's the only way I can describe it. It's a vessel that breaks apart and the idea can't be contained anymore. And that's a powerful thing because it has everything to do with the individual and nothing to do with me. It's, Mm. you know, it comes from above and it's like mana that I am lucky to experience hopefully over and over in my life. But as an artist, that sort of creative filling has everything to do with whatever you believe is the creator and your ancestors and your ability to weave that magic into something. But it's no longer yours. It's no longer yours yeah
0: well i'll tell you the uh, ultimate compliment has got to be whenever you create something and it goes into the collection of the smithsonian i mean that is pretty amazing Uh, and people can see it and not only marvel at the costumes but the meaning behind them so that is a very powerful statement and i'm so glad that generations will be able to see that so that's pretty cool
1: that was a The most important part of my life with my family, with my parents, because my father is a huge uh, Smithsonian fan, but nice. a huge history uh, freak and geek as well. He's in heaven now, but he got wow. to experience that while ill. And my mom, uh, you know, became an American citizen. And so nice. for their daughter to have that there was a huge deal. Yeah. Thank you for that.
0: I can totally see where that art background, you know, plays into your work. You know, it's
1: thank you so much.
0: It's something that you have and it just enhances what you do, you know, because you can see things in a different way that way. And I think that's cool. And this this show is fantastic. Uh, I, Apple TV Plus, man, I got to credit them for another show. That's uh, yeah. awesome. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this is a really neat series that everybody should see, too.
1: All
0: right. Well, it's been such a pleasure. And you are so very kind for saying uh, all of that. Well, it's not lip service, it's, it's real. <laughs> definitely. Look for The Changeling on Apple TV Plus and definitely follow Annie Crabtree on Instagram. It is worth your while. A lot of good stuff on The Changeling included there as well. And she has a lovely dog, too. Another fascinating series from this channel. And listen to Sci-Fi Talk Plus. It's free for a lifetime. All you have to do is click on the link in the show notes. And that's it. You can listen to it as often as you want, with no charge and no obligation. For Sci-Fi Talk, this is Tony Tolado.